0: Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So, stay with us, and right now, we present. We're going to have a fascinating discussion today, I got the feeling, because we've got a gentleman who is, you know, like, sitting right there, and he (laughs) 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 And, uh, he is an author, he's a publisher, um, But that's not exactly why we're here today, because we're going to talk about his life's journey through addiction, which led to some incarceration, which led to other issues that he's had, and then how he got through that to see the light and to become the man that he is today. And, Robert, welcome to the show. How are you? And you've if you can pronounce your last name for me so I, I don't massacre it for you.
1: Well. Uh- yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my last name is pronounced Chiosi. Uh Robert Chiosi from
0: uh Is that yeah. Italian?
1: Yeah, that's Italian. That's like Mama's Sunday, uh Sunday gravy. That's very Italian. My middle name Romolo. So um yes, I, I come from a, a a strong Italian family in uh the northern part of New Jersey where Italian is thick and so is the gravy.
0: and and i would imagine that um because italian families love to cook together and to eat together that there's an event that happens oh every so often where everybody in the family gets together and and you have a lot of folks that just have a good time eating and and creating what you eat and then eating what you create
1: yeah definitely and then you know as the generations progress it's it's the reins are taken up by the younger uh and you know that that's passed down i, I remember when it was my grandfather and, and and then my father you know doing the doing the cooking and, and my mom a little bit too you know she she was more irish than Italian, so uh but now you know now now i'm the one who likes to do the cooking and and uh so you know it's it's a handed down it's a learned process it's um
0: it's in our it's in our dna it's it's amazing the how you know over the years. I remember you know at a, at a family get together, and uh, I was sitting there alone. I was a teenager, and I was sitting there with my whole family. Um, they're all gone now, and it's like now I am the the older one, and all and the, around the kids and that kind of stuff. So it's it's amazing how you know you are the young one, and then you're not, and then you're now the the old one so you get the the full range of experiences
1: yeah you know what i mean it's i'm the oldest of all of my cousins and i remember you know i was i was in high school when when they were just being born and you know recently i went to one of the one of the youngest cousins her wedding um you know and i'm like oh man i'm I'm one of the older family members here sitting here. And it was, it's really weird, you know, to, to, well, you know, I mean, as opposed to not getting older, uh, I'll take it, but it's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's very weird to, to, you know, because in my head, I'm still, you know, I'm 17 or at the very, at the very best, I'm 22 inside my head, but the body is every bit of 55
0: and it, it, yeah I I get yeah. that and I know that's that's hard and wait wait for the next 10 years it gets even harder but oh, that's
1: okay. not way <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's talk about and I'm thank you for being here by the way and thank you for being so open and honest about the struggles that you went through and that really was a journey from when you were a kid and and getting into substance abuse and and all of that and then and then that led to a series of events would you want to Tell us a little bit about all yeah. of
1: that. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I I'll just go. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up, I man, I knew there was something different about me because, you know, while everybody does, you know, they drink or they start smoking weed or whatever they do, you know, most kids will experiment. Um, with me, it was more than an, an experiment. Like I I was immediately that guy who had to go to extremes with everything that I with everything that I did. Um, you know, the first time I I went into my parents' refrigerator and took a beer out, I didn't sip it, I didn't taste it, I chugged it as fast as I could to get that effect from it. And once I got that effect, I went in and I got another one. You know, I think the first time I got really drunk, you know, I I got to the point where I almost gave myself alcohol poisoning. So there's always been something in me that's, you know, I've got that addictive gene, that personality that just wants to chase it and cannot distinguish when enough is enough because there is no such thing as enough for me. Now I, throughout my life, I I guess, you know, I didn't find the, the substance right away that was going to take me down. You know, I I dabbled with little more gateway harmless um, substances that, you know, I managed to skate by without really getting into, you know, the the trouble that was certainly coming my way. I was uh, smoking, smoking weed for a really long time. I was drinking for a long time and I kept. Pushing the limits and and pushing the uh, the variance, adding more concoctions to that mix. Um, I got married. I held down a job. I opened up a business, and you know, even had a nice house. And we were living in Florida in a beautiful house on a lake. Um, but you know, there was something missing. You know, I was unsatisfied and and that was in me, you know, the the thing that was missing was was something within myself and. I didn't know it at the time, and I ran into. um, Opiates at that point, this was the early 2000s, right when the uh, opioid addiction was about to happen, and when I first did Oxycontin. um, It triggered something in me like like this oh so this is what was missing um it was this this switch had been turned on and then there was no turning back at that point i was just off to the races um i won't say i was immediately hooked on it but i was immediately drawn to it infatuated with that feeling and ready to go full speed ahead
0: with that i got a question for you because i I interviewed a young lady recently she lost her son when he was 32 but when he was like 18 or 19 it's right when oxycontin came out and um he had to have his large intestine removed because he had some sort of colitis or some major problem and so when they left the hospital everybody had been told the doctors had been told oxycontin is non-habit-forming according to her. And um, hmm. they gave him 180 pills and he never looked back. He was hooked by the time he finished that first prescription Is that is Oxycontin that pervasive that it can do that to you that quickly.
1: Yeah. So it's essentially it's synthetic heroin. Um, oh, that's, that's what it is. It's, you know, every uh, pathway that that drug takes is the same thing that that heroin does, which is it—it it saturates your your brain receptors. Um, so essentially, you know, your, your cells in your brain, they're not connected, and they communicate to each other through sending electrical impulses to them. Now, the pain receptors in there, you figure, you know, figure like a mass here with a lot of holes in it, being your pain receptors. And when an opiate like oxycontin or heroin saturates the brain, it fills those pain receptors. And what the cell does is now produces hundreds and thousands of more pain receptors. So now you're starving for the drug. Um, And also, you know, if you don't do the drug, you feel like you are in severe pain. Um, So there's a whole physiological Thing that goes on with the brain of an addict when they're hooked on opiates, uh, and you know, not to mention the psychological. Okay, because now heroin or oxycontin um, supersedes your survival uh, instincts, A- and everything that you know, getting the drug now becomes more important than than eating, um, than than bathing, than than Relationships. So, essentially, your survival instinct is now focused on the use and acquiring more of the drug.
0: It's expensive, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's it'll take you down (laughs) financially for sure. Um, You know, back in the day when I was first getting started, there were these the pill mills and doctors writing out you know false. fake fake prescriptions and uh, it it was at its cheapest point back then, um, which still ended up, you know, taking everything I had. Um, And it, of course, it rose because, you know, the more you use, the more you need to use. So that keeps escalating. So it really doesn't matter how much you got? You're you're always going to need more than what you have. At least that was the case with me, and I've heard it heard it from a lot of other addicts too, who can testify to that as well.
0: Now, did that lead you, or does that lead people to uh, like fentanyl and some of those things? Because or because fentanyl is a fairly new uh, synthetic drug, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, you know, my only experience, fortunate for me, I had gotten in trouble and gotten locked up before fentanyl was actually making its uh, presence known. Um, When I was in the prison system was when they were using fentanyl to cut heroin, and occasionally bags of heroin would come into the prison system, and you would know because guys were dropping dead from it, Um, because, you know, you're essentially your people in prison are usually removed from using drugs like they did on the streets usually some people can carry on like they did um prior but you know when that stuff comes in through the uh system however it comes in uh guys guys will fall out and and uh and a lot of them pass away a lot of guys i i lived with their, um, passed away during their time, you know, cause they still weren't over the, the using of it.
0: You know, you don't hear a lot about that in, in like the media and, and that sort of thing. The number, a uh, number of people that are, that are dying from that in, in actual, I suppose they don't want to tell us that because uh, the, the wardens and the, and the prison people don't want it to be known that, that, Drugs are still in the prison system.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, it comes in multiple ways, but, you know, honestly, drugs come in most of the time through people who are walking in and out of the doors of the prisons. So those are the people who work in prisons. And, you know, that, that would be a reason why they wouldn't want that uh, too widely known. You know?
0: <laughs> I can understand. So, so. To to um, take us through it a little bit, you yeah. you got hooked on the stuff, and then you had to find a way to uh, finance it. And was that through illegal means? Is that how you were still financing the habit?
1: Uh, originally, I you know I I lied, I I begged, and I borrowed to get the money to support myself. And when that did not happen, I I went to illegal means to fund my uh addiction. And, uh, you know, at one point, I, I walked into a convenience store with a paper bag and put it on the table and said, fill it up. And, you know, they, they did. Um, and I w- went to prison for that. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely not a, a proud moment of my life. Um, but uh, it was a, a, a wake up call. Um, I, it was 10 years ago, actually on, on October 29th, uh, I was brought into the town holding cell where I, I did the robbery and, uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm, I'm in this little tiny cell and there's a poster on the wall and, and it shows a girl who was in high school and, and she's really good looking and she looks you know like she's very well put together and then there's a picture of the same girl like two years later and she's ravaged by the drug use that she's been doing and and i'll never forget it the the title on the poster was heroin it does a body good Um, i'll i will never forget that so i uh you know i got locked up that day and um You know, because I had multiple things hanging over me, I had the potential of a lot, well, a lot of years facing me in prison. I ended up doing eight years in the prison system, and uh, I consider October 30th, 2012, the first day that I was totally without any substance in my body, but I celebrated on Halloween for, uh, just because it, you know it's a little more easy of a day to remember and uh so this halloween I, I celebrated 10 years without having had a drink or a drug or a cigarette or any substance uh in my body other than coffee
0: congratulations is the first thing that i want to say
1: oh thank you i I'm not looking for a cake. I'm just, uh, I, I, I say it because, you know, when we, we talk about our clean time and we talk about our struggles, how we get there, it it offers hope to people who are out there also struggling. And, and honestly, like if I could do it, you know, I mean, I had to go to prison to, to, to get clean, but like if you're out there and you're listening man, you don't have to go to prison to get clean because there are a lot of ways to go about this and you know really I didn't get clean until I knew I needed to, and I wanted to, you know, because I could have still been doing the wrong thing when I was there it's. uh, It's an inside job and it takes change and and change is never comfortable, you know we we fight that every, every ounce of our being, but uh, yes, we do. Yeah. It's, it's not comfortable, but you know, you, you've got to want it. And you've got to want to work for it because it's, if it came in a pill, everybody would have take it, you know?
0: So I got to ask you when you were arrested, uh, and do they recognize that you had an addiction and so they put you into some sort of a rehab or detox or something like that to get you through it or do they just throw you in a cell and say deal with it
1: mm-hmm. yeah so you know when the the police officers are arresting you they'll say they'll say that they're going to um and you know so they told me yeah we'll we'll get you the help you need we'll get you into a place and they'll They'll, uh, you know, they'll fix you up. Um, And I I was over it. I was over. uh, I so, you know, so I pretty much I told him everything. I I ratted on myself like I was the best witness against myself. And. uh, uh, Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't good. But (laughs) um, yeah, just I don't know. I didn't, you know, I just gave them everything they needed. And they sent me to the county jail and I did not even get an aspirin. Um, I I go to the, there was a nurse the first day and I walked up to the male nurse and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really sick. I'm kicking heroin. Do you have anything that can help me? And he looks me in the eye and he says, we like to bring you down like a spaceship, hard, hot and fast. Oh God! I'm like, uh, I wanted to kill him, but uh, I, that's how I came down—hard, hot, and fast. And
0: uh, isn't that dangerous? Can't can't people actually, in that process of of the um, withdrawals and stuff, can't people die from that?
1: You know, heroin withdrawals are really uncomfortable and they're really memorable. Generally, um, alcohol withdrawals will kill you though. Um, Ah. heroin withdrawals usually don't kill you unless you have some other complications with that.
0: You just wish that you were
1: dead. Yeah. You, which is good because you know what? I remember every miserable moment of that, um, which is probably a memory I needed to, it was an experience I needed to have. And I'm not going to, I don't forget that. You know, I forget what it was like to enjoy the drug, but I don't forget how miserable it made me feel.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad that, well, I'm not glad that you had that experience, but I'm glad for the man that you are now um, coming through all of that. Well,
1: thank you. I'm I'm glad for it too. It's, it was not easy. Um, It was a, a hard lesson to, to learn. Um, I think at the point where I was at, yeah, you know, I don't know if there was anything else that really would help me because I was pretty far gone and, and pretty, I was at the point where I didn't care about myself anymore. So I, it needed to be a really life altering experience. Otherwise I wasn't going to get what I needed out of it.
0: Did you ever consider um, ending your life during, in that period?
1: Yeah. Um, you know and actually i tr- i tried a couple times to do that um when it came down to the 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 nitty- gritty of it um i just always couldn't fully go through with it and uh you know that 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 um that fight to hold on to your life at the end of it is really strong um yeah i've heard i've heard people say oh you know suicide is is the coward's way out, um, man? I, I think it takes a lot of takes a lot to go through with it. Um, at least, you know, I, I know what they're saying when they say it's the coward's way out. But it, you've got to be committed to that. Um, I remember one time taking a taking a bunch of pills and and, and I was about to, I felt myself about to go down and all of a sudden my dog jumps up on my lap and he starts pawing at me with one hand at, to pet him so i i start petting him and then that wasn't enough he starts pawing at the other hand so he was like insisting that i pay complete attention to him and pet him with both hands and uh i think he knew you know i think he sensed something was wrong and and i think he saved me that night
0: dogs are amazingly perceptive and amazingly smart.
1: Yeah. I'm thoroughly convinced that's, that's what happened that night.
0: Well, and, and c- congratulations because you have now got a story because someone like me, I can't tell, you know, if you're, I drove a bus for a long time and I'm, there were guys that would get on and that were clearly under the influence. And I'd say, why do you do that to the yourselves? and, and, it could never get through because I never been through what they've been through. Um, didn't have, know their story. Didn't know why they were doing or how it was the way that they were. And 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 so, but someone like you, you can generally make a positive impact in the world.
1: I hope so. Um, you know, I speak out on on TikTok and on my uh, Facebook uh, reels, and I speak about addiction and I speak about the path to recovery. Um, and I get a lot of, uh, I got a lot of feedback from the people who, who watch it. Um, and it seems like, you know, people are, a lot of people want to hear that message and, you know, it's, I mean, nobody can help an addict quite like another addict can. Um, somebody who's walked, walked this path and been through it and came out on the other side, uh, you know, that's that's the experience that we share and, and the hope that only another addict can bring to somebody who's struggling.
0: Well, and nowadays, and I was astounded by this stat, but the same lady whose son passed away and she's now an advocate for, for getting rid of this and also helping, um, helping people in hospitals understand what it is and the drugs that they're going to get and that sort of thing so that they can help keep them away from addiction and stuff. And she was telling me that that last year in 21, a hundred thousand people passed away from overdose. And that, that to me was like an astounding number. I mean, we are in a real tough place when it comes to, um, drug addiction and especially coming out of the pandemic and the, uh, lots of hopelessness and stuff. It's really is hard for folks and for people to, I have known several people that have passed away and they were young, vibrant, alive, and then they weren't. Um, so your work and what you talk about is really important. And I wanted, I wanted to stress that because you can, you can help people like nobody else can.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the idea. Um, and I, I, you know, I write about it too. Uh, I'm an author, by the way, you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> yep, <laughs> um, you're, so. you're an author. Let me, let me go. Let's go down that. I want <laughs> to make sure people know you're an author. You've got a publishing company. Rats, Last Waltz Publishing um uh doc, or last walsh public publishing.com is, is the is the website if you want to go there you have several authors and you do a broad range of stuff and you do a lot of horror stuff and you do a lot of real life issues and stuff so um that's that's also cool how now how long have you been out of prison per se uh
1: on oh my god today's november i was released on november 4th two years ago two years ago today congratulations yeah i didn't even realize another anniversary like wow that's uh yeah so i was released um i was actually released six months early because i was in a uh the last year of my sentence i was in a halfway house Ah. uh during covid 19. um so also, you probably didn't hear how many people were dying in the prison system from COVID, uh, or you may
0: have. Um, no, nope. that's not that's not public knowledge, generally speaking.
1: Yeah. So, the and in New Jersey, where I was, we had the most um, most inmates die uh, from COVID nineteen, and um, it was it was rampant in the halfway houses and in the. Uh, in the prisons where were around in my area. Um, since I am a writer, I wrote to the senators and I wrote to the uh, the, the newspapers and, and to NewJersey.com and and um, I wrote to the attorney general and I wrote to the governor and uh, you know my little letters that I sent probably didn't amount to a hill of beans, but the New Jersey got together under um, Governor Murphy and they uh, enacted emergency credits for prisoners who were close to getting out. So guys who had done good time, um, were really close to getting out, were granted between six and eight months off of their sentences to get them out of the prison system that was running rampant with COVID-19. Um, so I was really six months early and was able to take part in that, um, great program, um, which allowed me to get out to my family earlier than, uh, expected. So that was, um, that was quite amazing.
0: Well, congratulations. Now there is somebody listening to us right now. And I think they're still listening. That uh, lost a very good friend um, to an overdose um, in in the last in the last four months or so, and it was devastating for everybody around them. Um, what advice do you have for people who are around people who may have been? Now, I believe in her case, she was in recovery, and apparently this happens a lot. She was in recovery and relapsed and the relapse was a harder fall than the initial because she thought she could pick up where she had left off, which was not the case. And so it was an overdose situation. And uh, um, what advice do you have for people that are surrounding those folks?
1: I mean, uh, the, the advice for those who are around people who
0: yeah if 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 somebody is if you're concerned about somebody do you know of any of any help that they can get um and or is that more of a state state thing you
1: know what i found you know there were a lot of people who who tried to help me when i when i was there and you know as addicts we become very defensive because you know we feel like you know you're trying to take away our our survival, you know, by telling us we can't do drugs anymore. you we feel attacked. Um, at least I did. You know, I felt attacked, and and now I felt like okay, you're the enemy. Um, I I would say you know the people who can help an addict is another addict, and you you can't force sobriety on someone especially if they're in the grips of it but you know you can introduce them to someone if it's you know seems benign and it's not like you're you're forcing this to happen say hey uh you know this is my friend john and uh yeah he this guy you should have seen him 10 years ago this guy was using like you wouldn't believe and uh you know i don't know yeah you guys have a little bit in common maybe you want to talk a little bit you know and, and you'd be surprised that you know say oh yeah you used to you do this you do that you know when two addicts start talking and they they first bond over what they've done you know that's where it starts um you know it's it's in that sharing i think you know somebody who hasn't used and you know tries to it often doesn't work, you know, when somebody who hasn't used or a parent or a sibling, you know, intervention is, you know, I, I don't think intervention is the right way. Um, although it might be what we really need. We really need somebody to step in and take us out of society against our will. But, you know, it's you've got to want it and and you've got to you got to do it for yourself. So, you know. I, I think it starts with with meeting somebody who's been in it before and uh and if you wanted to help somebody who, who's struggling i think the way to do it would be to i'm not saying sneaky about it but you know be like hey you know oh that's funny this is john know, yeah. <laughs> you think you're bad you should have met this damn guy about a year ago <laughs> oh, i thought he was in, you know i think that's good would do a lot more than uh you know and and you can find those people who are willing to help in in AA, in na there's smart recovery you know for some people they're you know it's spirituality that does it um you know clergy talking to someone like that um you know essentially there's like Usually, usually, it takes a, a, a strong spiritual connection to to bridge that gap. Um, whether 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 the addict gravitates to that or or recoils from it is a whole other thing. But um, usually, when it works, it's it's based in that. Um,
0: so when when you were first imprisoned, and you were that rocket ship that crashed and burned. uh, How long was it before you started feeling like yourself again? A long time.
1: Um, I'd say the first, I I always say it was 40 days before I actually got a a full night's sleep. Um, It was, it was tossing and turning and and going through withdrawals and, 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 feeling uncomfortable in my own skin and and not not being right somewhere between three and six months I started to feel again you know because that's the thing with 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 opiates and and and, uh heroin we we stopped feeling it 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 blocked my feelings you know of course there's still feel depressed but that's the drugs doing it but you know I, I i started to feel again and i started to think about the people who i wronged and you know the people who i were was missing and my family so you know we say uh you know the the best thing about getting off of uh drugs is that you get your feelings back and the worst thing about getting off drugs is that you get your feelings back yeah <laughs> so I knew you' were
0: gonna go there
1: yeah so it was six months before i was like you know watching a watching a hallmark channel and crying you know in uh, touch with my feelings again it, it it took a while and then you know still that whole first year is like you're you're clean but you're crazy still you know it it took it took years for me to for my brain to come back and you know and my emotions too it it's not a it's a it's a long road and um and it's a difficult one
0: that's so, why so many people relapse isn't it
1: yeah man and you're never out of the woods because you know if you're not um doing what needs to be done you know to keep yourself maintained uh it could happen at any point you know um they say we're in recovery and say we're not cured We're we're in recovery but uh you know i I, i'm thoroughly convinced that addiction is a disease and um, with every disease there is a cure Um, and you know so i mean if you look at it from the standpoint of the criteria of disease um, does it affect an organ so yes it does it it affects the brain and also you know i mean the liver the lungs whatever you're using but addiction affects the brain that makes you not think right is the second criteria is are there symptoms they're definitely symptoms when you know you become a liar you become untrustworthy you start committing crime you you uh stop caring about yourself and then the third and final criteria is there a cure well millions of people have found recovery through programs like Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous and and Smart Recovery and by talking to members of the clergy and by living a lifestyle that's healthy. So I would say, yes, there is a cure. So, you know, in that sense, this is a disease and it's curable if you do what's necessary.
0: Looking at your life now, where you're at now, having a publishing company, being a published author, do you think it's kind of like a bad dream? A nightmare. Um,
1: I didn't think I was ever going to wake up from that dream. It's, you know what, it, when you get out of prison and you've been through like addiction and, and been through the trenches, a lot of it's fading. You know, it's like a memory that, like, I can't quite hold on to um I guess that's trauma Mm -hmm. and and stress um you know and I'm trying to write it down and put it in a book and 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 retell it but uh you know it it's it's fading like like a bad dream like when you wake up from a nightmare and you want to remember that nightmare like it's it's getting harder to hold on to um you know I guess that's the the brain's defensive mechanism for for trying to to put trauma you know not not at the forefront
0: going through everything that you've gone through do you think that there are elements of uh, people that have been in prison for a while and stuff like that is there elements of ptsd and post-traumatic stress and that and that sort of thing um even after they get released from prison
1: yeah well you know i mean sure i guess it it depends on the how long the person's been in and i guess it depends on the uh situations they were uh subjected to in prison but yeah definitely there's there's that i i didn't i was never introverted or or never had any kind of anxiety prior to going in you know coming out now i'm really not very i'm outgoing on the internet but uh I you know being in crowds is a little uncomfortable for me and, and going to social events is a little it's a little much still and when I first got out like I remember walking into it was either Target or Walmart and uh I had a full-blown um panic attack because it was just it was just too big and uh yeah now that that stays with you you know people
0: I had the opportunity (laughs) years ago. I had the opportunity to, uh, I was a amateur boxer and I had the opportunity to go fight at a place in Washington state. It's called um, Monroe reformatory. Now they call it a reformatory, but it's a prison. It's, you know, and it's got all the, all the earmarks of what a, a prison would be like and so forth. And for me going into that place, um, because I'd never been exposed to anything like that. And I was just visiting and it scared the shit out of me. Uh, what's it like when you get sentenced to be in a place like that? And the sentence is a long time from now that you're going to be spending there.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I knew it was going to be long, um, it's debilitating. It's, I remember the, You know the place i was in the county jail i was in was kind of like a uh country club of of county jails and then from there 18 months later i got sent i got sent to the the reception facility where they figure out where you're going now that was the first time that steel bars closed behind me so Uh those cells were steel bars and it had been built in the 1800s and There was no heat or air conditioning and there were rats and roaches running all over you know it was like out of papillon and uh and man i those steel bars shut and that clang goes through your soul um and then you know when they they told me i go to the reception and they're like okay you're going to northern state prison northern state prison in new jersey is one of the largest gang prisons um in the state and i i'm like really uh are you sure and they're like oh yeah you'll you'll be fine um i thought i felt like they were sending me to the thunderdome um, and i'm just like this is it you know this my life is over you know i'm done you know this is i'm they're gonna i don't know what's gonna happen you know but uh you know there's this whole thing like you know prison your first day of prison is this make or break situation and you go up to the biggest guy and you knock him in the teeth and uh everybody leaves you alone you know prison is not like that um and you will do wise not to do that if you go to prison i i got sent to my cell my first day of prison and i'm carrying my clothes and the door opens and there's this huge guy with gold teeth laying on the bottom bunk and i'm about to come in the room and he goes whoa 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 my man before you come in here what are you in here for And i'm like i'm here for robbery he's like that's a real respectable crime come on in (laughs) they want to make sure you're not a a a molester or, or a pervert you know before um you do that uh so that's one thing that the people in prison will not tolerate especially anybody who's hurt a child um so I kind became very good friends with that man who became my bunkie for years and years um a well-respected gang member and he taught me that you know if you are a thorough dude he always said a thorough dude if you Say what you mean, do what you say, look people in the eye, shake their hands. If you're wrong, say, I'm sorry, and be a thorough dude. You will have no problems in the prison system. That might be you know, maybe 99% of the time that that will work. Um, of course, there's the randomness and depending where you get sent. But for me, I was true to who I was. I got into education. I got into my spirituality. And when I told somebody I was going to do something, I did it. And I was honest. And I lived an honest life. And it served me well because I was surrounded by good people. And I didn't have any problems.
0: But if you approach it the wrong way, you can get into problems and they can be pretty horrific. I've, I've heard.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, conversely, I saw the guys who came in and immediately started going for the drugs and started getting in debt and started running with the, the, the gangs and, you know, their prison bids turned out to be nightmares. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to pop when you get there of what
0: you're going to do. You just said something that is, um, I, I heard it. I, I'm i not sure I heard it correctly. How the hell do you get into debt in prison?
1: All right. So there's gambling.
0: Oh, um, th- there's, there is
1: gam- that. there's gambling, there's drugs, um, for whatever, you know, uh, Of course there's you know there's poker tables there so that you've got the the poker table you could get uh get into it um you could borrow stuff from people you know a lot of guys they have medication in prison and people some people you know get drawn to the different medications so they buy other people's medication or you know the drugs that come in you know they buy that and A lot of times find themselves in debt and uh yeah no there's there's um there's financial uh commodities in prison you know it's it's usually done with food or or things you buy off a commissary or you call up and have your people put money on another person's book so you know there's a there's a barter system there's a uh there's a commerce in prison
0: are are cigarettes? It, you see, in the old, in some of the older movies, you see cigarettes and cartons of cigarettes being uh, given to folks and stuff as 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 a uh, compensation. for and is is that were they are cigarettes part of that, or is that kind no, of? We got out?
1: rid of the cigarettes a, a long time ago. So,
0: oh, so, so you can't yeah. smoke in prison?
1: No, no, I don't, def, I don't think there's any prisons going on i don't know for sure but uh in new jersey they took the, the cigarettes out of the prison sometime in the 80s i believe maybe the yep.
0: early 90s yeah but you can still go to a poker game. <laughs> don't people understand that if you play poker i don't care if you're in prison or not in prison if you play poker and don't and don't pay your debts you are liable to have an issue with somebody
1: yeah, no, that's that's not good. Don't don't play poker unless you can pay your debts. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> it's it's a it's been a pleasure talking to you and you you're you're an awesome man. You have done a great deal and come, please please continue to do what you're doing. You can help people and that that is so important and and I applaud you for what you're doing and I thank you for it. Thank you so much. Thanks thank you for having me. And would you like to talk about your uh, publishing company If somebody, if there's a budding author out there that uh, might like to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm the owner of last waltz publishing. You can find us on the web at www.lastwaltzpublishing.com. You can email us from there. Uh, And if you go to the website, you can see, you know, what, what we like and what we're looking for. You know, I'm very drawn to, Uh, authors who have been previously silenced, you know, marginalized voices, uh, female authors, indigenous, people of color, um, LGBTQ authors, uh, you know, so, you know, and and authors who have been previously incarcerated, um, people like that, you know, I'm trying to help, you know, like people helped me when I got out. So if you're are an author and you might be interested in seeing if we're a good fit, uh, send me an email, um, or reach out, you know, via the website and we can talk about it.
0: And just in case they missed the website one more time.
1: Yeah. That's www.lastwaltzpublishing.com.
0: And your your episode is going to be on YouTube. It is now. Uh, it'll stay on YouTube, and it'll go to um, positivetalkradio.net. dot net and all the all the sites. As they say, wherever you get your podcast, you'll be able to find it there. Fantastic. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and 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 thank you so much for what you're doing. And and uh, if 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 you and I can do this, and somebody listens to it and uh they're helped by it then you and i've done our job
1: you know that uh and i'll just end it with this you know when i got sentenced i i stood up before the judge and i i told him you know and i i know i did wrong um but i've been doing this to change my life and you know i, I i've got a message that i can deliver to people now and, and i know you're going to sentence me to to a maximum sentence and he goes you know he goes unfortunately i do have to sentence you he goes but You know, if while you're down or when you get out, you can help just one person, maybe this will have all been worth it. So, you know, if I can help just one, then it'll
0: be worth it. Well, I'm glad that you're out and you're free and you're free from addiction and uh, you're doing the right thing and you're taking care of yourself and your family and those around you. And that's, uh, you know, you've done well. Thank you so much. And, uh, and thank you. Will you come back? and we talk again?
1: Absolutely. I look forward to that.
0: That would be great. I will invite you back again because um, and there's also a radio show that I do on uh, on KKNW in Seattle, and I would love to have you on that as well uh, because, and that goes out. Who knows who's going to listen to it, but I know that you're a spiritual man these days, as am I, and I believe that whoever needs to hear the message, um, the powers that be will put that in front of them absolutely that's the way it works definitely i i think so as well so Mm -hmm. we've been talking to robert and your last name again
1: that's kiosi i and i'm go by the pen name damon mags as an author but uh that's the real name that's the the one i got locked up with robert (laughs) kiosi and that's that's
0: uh it's a great italian name i think you know so that's it (laughs) <laughs> and I thank you for being here. And is there anything else that you'd like to say to our audience before we go?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I, I would just like to, you know, reach out to the addict who's still struggling and say, you know, uh, the something we say in prison is, is a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So if you are struggling with addiction and you don't see a way out of it, it starts by talking to somebody so reach out to somebody Um, you can call people from na you can call people from aa you can stop in a church and talk to to the clergy there Uh, there's people out there who are willing to help and anyone who's been through what you do talk to a fellow addict they're the ones who are going to give you the best insight and point you in the right direction you know go to last Walls publishing and and give me an email i'll 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 steer you in the right direction.
0: You're an outstanding human being. And that's uh, that's probably the best compliment I can give you. Thank you so much. And I thank you for being here. Thank you. You're an awesome dude. You wait right there and I'll be right the back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named, PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another, because each other's all we got.